0: Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. Thanks so much for being with us today. I apologize. I had my gain set way too high. Well, it's uh, another Friday in the big town, and uh, it's been quite a week, a couple of weeks, I guess. Uh, Gosh, listeners, I I apologize on behalf of myself and of Scott. We've been extraordinarily busy the last couple of weeks and just completely forgot to record last week, even though I told you we would. That's my bad. (laughs) I'm really sorry. Uh, Scott is also out this week. It's been a hectic week, and I'm sure many of you understand. But uh, Micah, our intern, is filling in for him here at the news desk. Hello, Micah. Hello there. Uh, It's been uh, quite the week in American political history, most notably, I think, has nothing to do with Oklahoma, at least not that we know of, but that former President Donald Trump has been um, indicted. The grand jury in Manhattan has um, elected... Decided based on the evidence they've seen to indict him Uh, and from what the reporting says it is likely that he is expected to be arraigned on Tuesday so he has been at his resort home in Mar-a-Lago Florida and so sometime on Tuesday presumably he will travel to New York all eyes will be on that courthouse not just in America but I think around the world this is Mm -hmm. the first time in American history yeah. that a sitting or former president has been formally indicted in this way. So we really are in uncharted territories.
1: That's how you know you've messed up when you're the first president <laughs> in history. With all, like learning about presidents throughout school, like you can learn about some pretty messed up stuff. But to be the first, that's like the worst first thing mm-hmm, to be. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, um, you know, many of us want to be a trailblazer in some way. This is not a way (laughs) I would like to be a trailblazer. Um, You know, there's obviously right now a lot of the information coming out is, um, in some cases, like rumors, because there's just not a lot. Reportedly, Trump and his staff or his advisors were caught off guard by this. They, even though he had tweeted like last week or week before last that he was going to be arrested you know, like last week. I guess they actually thought it was going to be late in April, if at all. They thought by this point it might not even happen, uh, and so they were somewhat uh, caught off guard by this. And it happened late on Thursday, uh, about five thirty Central Time, about six thirty East Coast Time, is when I saw the news, uh, which meant that it kind of missed some of the evening news cycle. Certainly by ten o'clock, mm-hmm. everybody was talking about it. Um, At this point, I think we're just going to have to kind of wait and see. The next steps, as I understand it, we don't have a uh, criminal law attorney here, but Trump will have to go to be arraigned in New York. And that means he'll have to be fingerprinted, have a mug shot taken. Um, I guess he'll end up on the smoking gun, the website, if that's (laughs) – I assume that's still around. Um, And uh, and then from there, he'll likely just be released on his own recognizance. Um, and either stay in New York or return to Florida. It may kind of come down to what the judge says. We also don't yet know exactly what he's being charged with. That part of the indictment has remained sealed. It will be unsealed um, when he is formally charged on Tuesday or whenever it is that he arrives there. They've started setting up security around the Trump Towers and around the courthouse. Lots of uh, lots of attention there. Media, you know, is shuffling everything they can to get ready for this, and certainly, um, you know, NYPD and other um, national security forces are, are kind of involved. Um, gosh, I feel, Micah, I feel like in the last five years we've had so many opportunities as Americans to really see history being made. Whether it's the pandemic, whether it's well, several things during the Trump presidency. Uh, and certainly the 2020 election, I'll be honest, I'm a little tired of, <laughs> of, of like, history being made in my life.
1: you tired of uh, being, living what's going to be future history pages for yeah. our kids and whatnot? <laughs> yeah,
0: I would like a few years of peace and just quiet. Be like, nothing notable happened between 2004 and 2010, or 2024, 2030, you I gotcha. guess, yeah. Just I'll,
1: At this point, I'll take a quiet week. Yeah, I'll yeah. take a quiet hour. <laughs> I would love a quiet hour. That'd be fantastic.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. That's all we. That's all we really want is one quiet hour.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, um, let's turn our attention then back to what's happening here in the state, um, and it's been, I think, gosh, quite a bit. Um,
1: there's a lot. <laughs>
0: there's a lot. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say up front uh, on the plan that I get this episode posted here like today. Um, So we're recording this on Friday, March 31st. And listeners, as I've said before, remember, 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 April 4th. Next Tuesday is an election. I just voted early because I won't be here on Tuesday. So I'm wearing my little sticker. (laughs) You can hear it in the microphone there. That's my I voted sticker. Um, And if you want to know who I voted for, you can look at my own personal Instagram. I don't share that as part of the organization or on behalf of any organization. Um, But it is a very important election Almost every county has some sort of election happening. I live in Oklahoma County, and we have a countywide election for uh, the county clerk. This is a special election to fill the seat that was um, left open when the previous county clerk resigned in scandal, more or less. Um, and it's a really important position that most folks don't talk enough about. However, listeners, to make it easier on you, we've created a very tiny one-position <laughs> one voter guide. You can go to letsfixthis.org slash county clerk and read all about it or go to our blog, um, and it's all on there, as well as a little bit of information about the two candidates who were vying for this seat, uh, Democrat Derek Scobie and Republican Marissa Treat, um, and links to their pages. I wasn't; We didn't send them a questionnaire, so I just kind of told you who they are, and you can go read about them on your own, um, you know, professionally, professionally, Uh, Derek Scobie is the pastor of um, Ebenezer Baptist Church on the northeast side of Oklahoma City. Marissa Treat um, is a former campaign finance chair for U.S. Senator James Lankford. Um, She, of course, is the spouse of current Senate pro tem Greg Treat. I that name sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. That's why. Um, Well, uh, gosh, over the last couple of weeks, Micah, there's been a bunch of stuff that's happened Um, both from a policy perspective and from a personnel perspective. And maybe Mm -hmm. we'll start with the personnel perspective. Since we just talked about President Trump being indicted, um, here in the state legislature, um, we had a member, Representative Dean Davis, Mm -hmm. who is from Broken Arrow, um, was arrested for driving under the influence of alcohol. Uh, Or no, not driving. He was... It was like public intoxication. Yeah,
1: disrupting the peace to public intoxication. I think that's yeah. what I read.
0: Yeah. Do you remember exactly what happened with this?
1: Um, from what I've read and from what you've told me, um, around like 2 a.m., some police officers noticed that uh, some people were standing outside of a bar and everything was closed. So they said, hey, you can't stand here anymore. Um, and from what I understand, Dean uh, Davis was just kind of like, I can do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's it's, not the answer. You that's should not ever the answer. <laughs> cop, yeah. No. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting. Cause whenever I read it inside the newspapers, it was always uh, there was always a quote like, "You don't know just how much trouble you're in. You'll find out tomorrow." Kind of thing. But I saw a really cool. Um, it it helped you know give me an idea. Inside the Oklahoman, there was a do um, legislators get a jail, get out of jail free card. Right. Um, and I was curious about that as well because I didn't know what happened after that because obviously that's his second,
0: right? Yeah, this is his second DUI or second, yep, I guess DUI or related uh-huh. charge. He was he was currently, I think, still on probation from his previous charge from last September.
1: Yeah. So what does that mean? I was like, what does that mean that he gets to go back? Because I know that there are several people, I don't know their names, um, who have been, um, who are like currently under investigation or not, maybe not just inside uh, Oklahoma's area. But I was wondering, why do they get to kind of not bear any responsibility Mm -hmm. at first?
0: Yeah, so this is, um, I mean, there's several, that's a deep question with several (laughs) answers. Um, Most succinctly is, yeah, Representative Dean Davis is now one of three members of the House of Representatives here, um, all Republicans who are currently facing charges. Um, He has has this charge. Um, Representative Ryan Martinez from Edmond also had a DUI charge earlier this year. And Representative Terry O'Donnell is um, under investigation, or I think he's actually been charged, and it's awaiting trial. I think for his um, for allegedly, you know, running a bill to allow lawmakers' spouses to own tag agencies, and he like ran the bill, and then a few months later, his wife inherited a tag agency. It was seemed like a pretty clear conflict mm-hmm. of interest, and I forget mm-hmm. the exact charge there, but um, it's certainly. Been a uh, tumultuous year for members of the legislature. I mean, what are the odds, right? That (laughs) out out of let's say any business with 150 members, that three of them would all be charged with some kind of crime seems statistically unlikely. Mm -hmm. It is really unfortunate that these are public representatives. Um, Now, to your question about how do they how do they avoid punishment? That's there's two answers to that. One. None of them have avoided punishment yet, right? They're Mm -hmm. they're still awaiting final dispensation of their charges. We'll see what happens. There will likely be plea agreements. There will be other things that happen. But um, the Oklahomans article addressed that is that when legislators, they get a little ID card. And in the Constitution, it says that um, – this is from Article 5, Section 22 of the state constitution – states, senators and representatives shall, except for treason, felony, or breach of the peace, which is always like old-timey language, right? Um, So except for treason, felony, or breach of the peace, shall be privileged from arrest during the session of the legislature, and in going to and returning from the same, and for any speech or debate in either house shall not be questioned in any other place. My understanding from reading it and from talking to some folks is that this language is what well, was written long before modern day phones, automobiles, all this stuff, right? Uh, and so it, I think it was designed to say you can't arrest them or hold them up if they're on their way to the Capitol mm-hmm. to participate in session, right? Because you can imagine a scenario where Someone's the deciding vote, and oops, they suddenly got a, you know pulled over by a cop somewhere in a rural area to prevent them from voting, and thus a bill doesn't pass or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's designed to prevent that. Uh, now, these exceptions, treason, felony, breach of the peace, are a little bit vague. Treason, we know what that is, right? It's some kind of act against the government. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not in question with any of these folks.
1: We've got a president who showed us exactly what that was, right? <laughs>
0: Some would argue that for sure. Um, the felony um, now, if this is to be taken literally, right, um, could apply to some of these folks. So I think all, mm, at least Dean Davis, I think, would be a felony charge because it's his second. And I think Representative O'Donnell is facing felony charges. I'm not sure about Representative Martinez. Um, n- you know, in nationally, when it comes to the the presidency. Um, the The term of – the legal term is like gross misdemeanors, which mm-hmm. there's that's not like an actual thing in the law. You've got misdemeanors. You've got felonies. So there was debate about that during um, President Trump's um, trials in Congress. And then the third piece, right, breach of the peace. Well, what does that mean? Like if he's clearly not instigating a riot. He's not, I don't know, storming the Capitol with guns mm-hmm. or anything like that. <laughs> Um, he's not in a bar fight. He was just sitting in the patio of a bar. But that is arguably like a breach of the, I don't know, peaceful state of affairs, right? Mm-hmm. It was a violation of the law. And didn't
1: and, like the police question the bartender, the owner, and they said we asked them to leave multiple yeah. times, but they wouldn't? I would call that disturbing the peace. I mean, I don't know many people who are walking, taking like an evening stroll at 2 a.m. in the morning. But I could imagine a bunch of – I'm assuming they're blather drunk yeah. – <laughs> um, would that's the only reason why I can assume somebody would talk to a police officer this way? Yeah, and um, there's
0: the, the body cam video has been released, and that's exactly what it looks like. It was yeah. he was with two other allegedly two other legislators. I think one of them was identified as Representative TJ Marty, um, and I don't know about the third, but they told the bar owner, Oh, you, you know, it's fine. We're state legislators, mm-hmm. we
1: can do what we want.
0: Yeah, pretty much, which is 100% what voters don't like, right? Isn't mm-hmm. I don't care which party it is. If you know, Even if uh, my senator, Senator Julie Kurt, who I really like. I mean, she's my neighbor. Uh, we have a good relationship. I think she does good work. Lots of good pro-democracy bills. If, th- if this was her, we'd have a conversation where mm-hmm. I would tell her that I was deeply disappointed in her. Um, and so the other thing that's tough though, right, is he's from Broken Arrow, which is a couple hours away. It's undoubtedly being the news there. And it will undoubtedly be – uh, come up during his reelection bid. Should he run next year? Um, I can imagine he'll have a challenger from one or both parties that will highlight this. Right? Mm-hmm. None of us want our worst day to be the thing that defines us. But when you break the law egregiously like this, twice. and you're a public figure, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, twice. That's the natural consequences. You abuse consequences. your
1: power while you're doing it. Like say, right. He said, "You can't do this. I'm above the law." That. Yeah. That's not okay. Right, right, yeah. I don't care if you're under the influence.
0: No, you're right. Just don't. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't do that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we'll uh, we'll see. Now, he, after several, this came out of the news. It was, you know, pretty widely broadcast. And then a few days later, the House did come back and formally censure him there on the floor, which is basically like a reprimand within the chamber where they stripped him of his committee assignments and um, it's the same process they did to Representative Mari Turner mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. And they kind of gave the same thing. Well, re- first of all, Representative Davis came out the next day and, like, apologized on the House floor for his actions.
1: He apologized. It was kind of like, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Which yeah. was interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and so the House – and even some Republicans said that's not – that was not an apology. And so the next day or so, the House formally censured him. He was not there. He didn't come that day, or at least was not in the chamber during that. Um,
1: was he asked not to come, or did he just not show up? Who knows? Wow.
0: Um, I mean, I can imagine it's embarrassing for him. And they might have just said, don't come, man. Like, let us do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but your presence is not going to help anything, which is different than with Representative Turner, right, mm-hmm. who... who
1: Hasn't been committed of anything, as far as I can tell.
0: Right, no, committed no actual crime, mm-hmm. in fact. And that's that's... The difference, And the – I think a a real test of character or demonstration of character is that Representative Turner debated against the censuring of Representative Davis. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I really liked reading about that. I thought that was – that wouldn't have been something that I would have immediately thought about. But then again, I've never been censured before. Right,
0: right. And well, it's very rare even in the state house, right? It's only happened a couple of times and it hasn't happened for several decades, I think. Mm. Uh, And so – for Rep. Turner to come out and be like, listen, what are we doing here, folks? Are we just going to censure people now? Is this the new norm? Like, we need to be really thoughtful about how we about how we govern. And and because the censuring is not just a reprimand saying, it's not just wagging your finger saying you did a wrong thing, but by stripping these folks of their committee assignments, you are reducing the voice of their constituents, right? And that, I think, should be something we all, Really think about, um, because that's why they got elected in the first place. Mm-hmm. Now, if they are inadequately representing the voice of their folks, they should step down, right? That's, and I think these are again very different situations, um, but you know we've seen in recent years people of both parties that have resigned due to misbehavior, um, and and the the hard. Part about that, of course, then is it leaves their district unrepresented at all. And so, I don't know. I wrestle with this all the time. Like, well, what's better to have someone who is charged but not yet convicted in there that still at least gets to vote? Or would it be better to have it be vacant entirely? Because there would have to be a special election and there's Mm -hmm. just months to go by.
1: See, that's the part that gets me confused. Because what they didn't necessarily answer in that, and what I'm hoping you can, is – Yes, he hasn't been charged yet because of these protections. But when he is, if he is, um, why sh- will he be able to actually run for re-election? Because I was looking, New York Times posted who was running for president mm-hmm. in the upcoming election, and Donald Trump was on there. And I'm not aware of anything that says, like, you cannot run for office if you have. So is that allowed? Yeah,
0: yeah. So I I, I think the exceptions that would prevent someone from running for president are treason or gross misdemeanors, which is, as we said already, ambiguous. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, in fact, uh, Oklahoma native Joe Exotic is currently running for president from jail. Like He's in (laughs) jail, and he's announced he's running for president. Now, that path is difficult, <laughs> right? Um, Hard gonna, to knock doors in there. That's exactly right. Really tough to uh, get out the vote and to rally. Um, and it would be very tough for Trump if that was the case. Um, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. All right. Well, let's uh, move on. Other big news in the last couple of weeks that we haven't talked about is the uh, in the Department of Education, well, at least the State Board of Education, they held several meetings to here and to approve um, a bunch of rules right this administrative rules many of these rules were proposed by state superintendent Ryan Walters and uh, and I'm setting up this conversation I think Micah because there are two huge things happening around public education in Oklahoma and I think one is distracting us from the other
1: oh absolutely
0: um, and I I think we all know that but I want to pause and like Highlight it so that we can all collectively, here in the Democracy Den podcast studio, <laughs> and also in the public, think about this because it it dictates how we behave, um, or it should dictate how we behave. So, um, on the one hand, Ryan Walters, a state superintendent, is proposing all kinds of bonkers administrative rules, right about how to strip accreditation from schools, how to um you know, set up these committees to review each and every book in school libraries. Um, they would um, deal with everything from adjunct teachers, transportation, concurrent enrollment, all kinds of stuff. Um, a lot of it has to do with around gender identity. Some of the rules would like require teachers to alert administration and parents if a student Acts or presents themselves basically in a way that they think is not. This is such a weird thing to even try to explain. I know. Right?
1: It was so vague. Like I thought, oh, so if the person says, "I would like to change my gender," "I would like to change my pronouns," but I remember whenever people like said, "What, what kind, of, what name do you want me to call you? Like, what's right. your nickname and yeah. whatnot, like that?" Am I supposed to take the person seriously whose name is Brad and he's like my name's Stacy right? and am I supposed to alert his parents then? And I mean, that's not something that you can really enforce. I can see a bunch of witch hunts going on after this and that's terribly concerning for me, for both the students and the teachers and also relationships with parents and students.
0: Yeah. This uh, sucks in so many ways. (laughs) So I, I think about a couple of examples from my own life, right? Uh, when I was in third grade for Halloween, we didn't have much money growing up. Uh, and so often we had homemade Halloween costumes. And in third grade, we used some of my grandma's apparel and she wore a wig, some of her wigs. And I dressed as an old woman. That was my Halloween costume for school because it was safe. There's no swords or knives involved. So I wore my grandma's wig and like an old dress and was just an old woman. Um, And like theoretically under these rules that you know, a teacher could be like, hmm, this is concerning. I think Andy's trying to be a woman. I'm going to tell his parents. Of course, my mom would see through that. Like Mm -hmm. that's a silly example, but also there is the potential opens the door, right? For some really harmful stuff to happen. Secondly, uh, my given name is Andrew. I go by Andy. Always have Andy. D Y. In many cases, the name Andy with an I at the end um, is used by females, right? Like I've known several Andes that were A and D I. Usually short for Andrea. And so, what if I, as a student, told my teachers, and go by Andy with an I? Again, it opens the door for some teacher who happens to be, you know, uh, value aligned with Superintendent Walters to really make this student's life difficult. Um, And we don't know what's going on at home. It can make things difficult there. And it also just distracts from. The learning that's supposed to be happening in the classroom, Mm -hmm. right? Like if – I don't know any teacher or administrator who went into this line of work for the money or to be the uh, moral police of students, right? They went in to pour themselves into kids to help them learn and grow and develop and mature in a safe and healthy way. Mm -hmm. Full stop. Like that seems – Every teacher, and I was an education major for, you know, part of my college career, um, have a number of friends and family who are educators, colleagues. I don't know anybody who's like, ha ha, I get to be a private investigator and got gotcha you mm-hmm. all these woke kids. Like that's not, that's <laughs> just not a thing. Now, all of that's happening. And a quick caveat is that while the state board passed, they unanimously approved these rules, the state board is entirely comprised of political appointees, right? They are henchmen to do the bidding of Governor Stitt in most cases, right? And so they are also, you know, fear, Walter's wrath. So they approve the rules, but the rules have to be ultimately approved by the legislature. Later in session, there's this big administrative rules process where every agency passes rules and the legislature has to sign off on them as like final approval, so just because the state board passed them does not mean that the legislature is going to approve them. So they may they may never actually go into effect.
1: I'm hoping it doesn't.
0: Yeah. At the same time that this is all happening, we're all focused on this and going to these meetings and trying to you know make our comments and stuff heard. And it feels like we're just banging our head against the wall.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you know what else is happening over in the legislature?
1: I know that there's a lot of uh, book banning and uh, controversies over um, banning things that are, quote-unquote, woke.
0: Yeah, so all that Mm -hmm. stuff has to do largely with the rules here that that Walters is proposing. But in the legislature, they're talking about money for education, right? So while we are focused on these, you know, batshit crazy administrative rules, the legislature has been discussing – Education funding, specifically vouchers or oh, yes, that's quote right. tax credits.
1: They're so good at distracting us. Like I complete. I remember going into the legislative session, going like, okay, school vouchers, this stuff, and then I completely forgot the vouchers were a thing. Still, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's almost like they've done this before.
0: <laughs> yes, isn't it quick, Micah? Micah, this is your first session, <laughs> in how quickly we learn. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're being duped, right? Mm-hmm. So the legislature, the House and Senate, don't see eye to eye on a lot of this stuff. And yet, just this week, the Senate did pass a couple of the House bills. They've amended some others. So there's some potentially good faith efforts to move this legislation forward. And it's not all great for public schools, right? Like Mm -hmm. a lot of it would redirect money to families, Um, who homeschool or send their kids to private school. So yesterday, one of the bills that passed the Senate was a bill that would give, uh, I think, up to $7,500 to families whose children are enrolled in private school. Basically like, well, since you're not going to public school, we'll give you your money back so you can apply it to your private school um, tuition. Now, most of the private schools, at least here in the metro, the big ones, just upped their tuition. (laughs) Buy like five to nine thousand dollars. So that that money's not gonna actually make a big difference, right? It might for some families it might uh change like their out of pocket expense might kind of be close to the same Mm -hmm. as it was this last year. Um also the threshold for eligibility is for any family that makes two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year or less, mm-hmm. which is a huge swath of the population. So, like almost anybody who is going to qualify is folks that have higher incomes and mm-hmm. probably already send their kids to private schools. And if so, if if we kind of break it down, the the let's say the tuition is twenty thousand dollars a year, and then the school bumps up tuition. 25,000 this year, those parents get a big tax credit. So they're only paying, you know, 18,000 or so out of pocket. That's, they're paying a little bit less than they were before, but the school is making more money, right? So there's an increased amount of money flowing into private schools. For folks that are homeschooled, they also get a tax credit. It's less, I forget, it's a couple of thousand dollars, few thousand dollars. But even that alone, it's like, if if the purpose is to give students – give families money because they're not sending to public school, why shouldn't the homeschooler get the same amount of money as a private schooler, mm-hmm. right? Like, I would
1: be fine with that if they gave every public school student since you're not going to a private school. Since you're not – since you are investing in something that we are a part of, we're right. going to give you the exact same. I'd be okay with that bit, but it's the fact that only some people get it. And the people who don't need it. (laughs) Right,
0: right. Um, You know, for folks who live in rural areas who just don't have private schools nearby that they could even possibly send, this isn't an option for them. Like this really, this policy really chooses winners and losers, right? So that passed, I think, yesterday. And at the same, you know, I think there's been a lot of attention directed over at Ryan Walters and the state board who are passing rules that may never go into effect. And that gave cover to the legislature to be like, oh, hey, no one's looking, quick. Bloop, 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 let's pass these through. (laughs) At the Capitol this week, it's been pretty quiet. Um, Not a lot of folks up there protesting. And in fact, I think Senator Boren mentioned this the other day that the halls have been relatively empty this year. Mm -hmm. And it's not because people don't care, I think, but I worry that it's because folks feel beat down, right? Discouraged and feel like, what does it matter?
1: I love Senator Boren.
0: Five years ago, when the teacher walkout happened, right? There was 30,000-ish people up there for mm-hmm. a week, a lot of energy, and it resulted in some positive outcomes like some you know pay raises and stuff. Um, but in those five years, well, we had a pandemic yeah. where teachers were under extraordinary stress of trying to figure out how to teach in a brand new environment with new technology in, you know, ways that none of them were trained to do really stressful and hard. Um, they were placed in the middle of not just in the middle of the like crosshairs of the virus and potential infection. Like if you had a classroom full of kids, like you're much higher risk, but also in the middle of all this like bananas, anti-science, anti-vaccine stuff. And again, teachers, just want to teach kids. They mm-hmm. want to invest and help kids grow and develop in healthy ways so they can be productive members of society. But to put them in that situation, um that and and then make them enemies of the state in many mm-hmm. ways, right? Allege they are spreading pornography and doing all this stuff to get indoctrinating children when like they're just trying to teach fucking algebra, mm-hmm. right? Or not even that, like just multiplication.
1: Multiplication, <laughs> just, all kinds of stuff like that. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. I wouldn't count that as radicalism. Right,
0: well. right, exactly. And, and so we're seeing record numbers of educators leave the teach the teaching profession, right, just mm-hmm. resign. And a lot of it's people who actively rallied five years ago who were like, you know what, I don't have it in me to do it again. Um, and I think for a lot of us – we sympathize with that. Like, it's hard. We, we're we all tired still. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is hard. And I worry, I think, about the future of our state, the future of our public education system here, not just from the overt attacks from the uh, the outside, but from the, the demoralization on the inside.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the thing that I always like to remind myself is if you keep putting pressure on something – one of two things is going to happen. It's either going to break and you're going to have to pay to fix it or it's going to bounce back and slap you in the face. So either way, I think that there will be some silver lining from all of this. I kind of have to believe that Um, or else I can't sleep at night. But I, I genuinely feel so terrible for all of our teachers and I know quite a few personally. One who I hands down single-handedly got me through math and i was talking to her because i reach out to her fairly often i'm like do you need anything do you need pencils do you need paper i've got some stuff left over um do you need a sonic gift card for those days where you just you just need a drink um (laughs) and you're not allowed to drink alcohol um and she just kind of got quiet for a bit she said i think i'm gonna need a change of pace soon and i was and i couldn't say anything to her like hold on in there keep fighting but because but i know what she did for me Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i know what she did for me and i know what she does for other students and i think about all the people who aren't going to have a person like her and that's terrifying to me and i know that the kids aren't liking this I know that I've talked to so many – I babysit all the time. So I talk to all kinds of elementary school, middle school, high school kids. And every single one who I've talked to has just been like, this is all so stupid. Mm -hmm. This is all so stupid. I I hate this. I was like, do do you realize that you are creating an entire generation of kids who are absolutely despising the government? Mm. Oh, Right. That's terrifying. And yeah. not only do they not have all the education that they need, they also are going into this, I think, with a lot of rightful anger. Yeah. Because um, I'm i just getting out. But I think about the kids who were going into middle school during the pandemic. Yeah. Their entire um, learning style has changed. There's been so much collective trauma placed on kids and placed on teachers I'm going to be amazed to see what happens.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it, I worry and somewhat like roll my eyes, right, that the the same legislators who will and other elected officials who were who will vilify teachers who will call them um, groomers and like just gross and bananas stuff mm-hmm. will in a few years bemoan the fact that we have a shortage of teachers. We have a shortage right now. We have we, no one's talking about it again now but in 2017 and 2018 we had huge numbers of emergency certified teachers and i think the numbers are even higher now Mm -hmm. but we don't hear about that like we just don't have without professional teachers in the classroom it's opening the door for just a warm body and that's Mm -hmm. not the same like my kids deserve more than that
1: Mm -hmm. and it just it makes me it's the little tiny like the straw that breaks the camel's back for me, Mm -hmm. whenever our governor says we are going to be a top 10 school for education. Right. And I wonder to myself, I was like, he has kids, right? Yeah, he's like six. Do they go to public schools or do they go to private schools? I don't know. Okay. I, I can't imagine if his kids were going to public schools, to some of the schools that he's currently sending money away from, Mm-hmm. I feel like they would say something to him.
0: Well, because kids would speak think, their but mind. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, they should. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of the governor's kids listen to our podcast. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Um, if, if any of you do, please send me an email. Um,
1: hey dad, you should hear what Andy Moore said about right, you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't, the governor didn't give two shits about what I have to say. <laughs> um, I wish he did though. Like I wish he had some folks in his ear that disagreed with him more. Mm-hmm. And I, I have it on good authority from several folks who have been in the room that he doesn't surround himself with folks that disagree very often, right? Mm. Too much disagreement and you're out the door. Um, And that's, again, that's not the way to govern. Like you should be – you should listen to people with whom you disagree because uh, we're not right all the time.
1: No, 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 no. And I think another thing is I've been trying to figure out a way to – To meet with more legislators, and I was talking to my roommate about it, and she said, "Well, why don't you just go and talk to the governor?" And I, my first response wasn't, "Oh, I don't know how to." It's, I'm too scared of him. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Like he's a boogeyman in my idea, and I know he's just a human. Yeah, but the thought of going and talking to him is so terrifying. And I think if you're scared of the person who's supposed to be protecting you mm-hmm. and protecting your family, your community, there's something very, very wrong with that because there's a fine line between fear and respect.
0: Right, right.
1: And I am afraid of him. <laughs> right.
0: Do you um, – obviously you're like 20 years younger than I am, so you might – I don't remember how old you were in during the Obama years, <clears throat> but there's a somewhat famous picture of President Obama where he has his head down and little boy is rubbing his head. Right. It's a little, I think, African-American child who wanted to feel his hair (laughs)
1: because it's
0: the same as him. Right. And that kind of humility um, is like that picture, you know, spoke a thousand words and is the kind of stuff that I think we need more of Um, Mm -hmm. people who are willing to be vulnerable and affable with children, with parents, with teachers, with folks with disabilities with just anybody right Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't i personally don't want any elected official who thinks they're better than me Mm -mm. i I don't think i'm better than them god no um in some cases i do i'll be honest it is tough sometimes but um i I mean
1: i can't parallel park or do math (laughs) or figure out how to give people tips but i was reading this i'm still reading this book um I don't know if we're allowed to say the books that we're reading. we are? Yeah, yeah. okay Okay. Uh, it's called um, The Body is Not an Apology, hmm. The Power of so- Radical Self-Love by Sonia Renee Taylor. And in there, she talks about um, that there were, and this, was, this came out, I think, in 2020, that there were 49 women who have served as governors.
0: Hmm.
1: And of those... Even smaller percentages were different colors. Even smaller percentages had a disability. Even smaller percentages. Sure, sure. And that's what it takes me back, if I might go on a tangent for a bit. Um, When I was watching um, the Little Mermaid trailer for the first time.
0: The new one? The new one. Mm
1: -hmm. It didn't even phase me. I was like, oh, yeah. But there was a little girl who I was babysitting who's black mm-hmm. and her first response was she looks like me
0: yeah yeah
1: she looks like me and i just started bawling mm-hmm. because i and i like that i want the people that we see on television the people who are our lawmakers to be people who look like us mm-hmm. and I'm, i mean yes there are large portions of straight white people here but there are also other populations mm-hmm. and i'd like to see them in office mm-hmm. i like coloring books let's add some color to stuff
0: yeah That's exactly right. Well, uh, we've got about 10 minutes left or so, Micah. Um, Time flies. I think another thing we should mention, especially because of the election on April 4th for county clerk, um, and as listeners should remember, the county clerk (laughs) sits on the budget board, which oversees or provides feedback on the county budget, including the Oklahoma County Jail. Uh, And so... This last week, week before last, the multi county grand jury issued um, a determination that, or I guess kind of a ruling, that the county jail should be returned, the control of the jail should be returned to the sheriff's department instead of the jail trust, which is essentially what's been running the last couple of years. The creation of the jail trust was spearheaded by, if my memory serves, by former county commissioner and former state lawmaker, Kevin Calvey, um, who lost his bid for DA and thus is not currently in elected office. And I, um, that's probably good for all Oklahomans. Um, so they, the multi-county grand jury, been doing like a 14 month investigation into this, right? So the DA and the, the, team from the DA's office was doing this investigation and reporting back to the grand jury along the way for more than a year about issues of, you know, health, uh, inmate death, and, uh, and I think like high turnover at the jail. And so some of the things from that report were that each inmate death is different and tragic, but many of the deaths were preventable. Um, the, um, they recommended that the, the jail trust, which started in middle July uh, of 2020, should be dis- dissolved entirely. And the trust now like, has an executive director it's a big budget. Like, The county is paying a bunch of money to the jail trust to run the jail um, when it used to be run by the sheriff's office. Now, not without problems. Like, There were a number of problems then. Um, but we have a new sheriff. A lot has changed at the sheriff's office since then as well. Um, Another good quote, I think, was that it appears that, in some regards, improvements have been made to jail operations. However, those improvements do not appear to be related to the trust. (laughs) It seems more likely that they are the result of greater amounts of money dedicated to facility improvements. Right. So we've got a bunch of COVID money in. The county commissioners directed some of that money towards the jail Mm -hmm. for some much-needed improvements. We all know, we've talked about it on the show before, the Oklahoma County Jail which is one of the busiest jails in the entire country is dilapidated and that's putting it lightly. It is a shithole. It is a, um, it is a prison in all the worst ways. Um, and the way that it is laid out, the way it's constructed, the way it's fallen apart is to the detriment of those who are, temporarily housed there. It is to the detriment of the employees who have to work there in those conditions.
1: It's the detriment to all the family members who have somebody who's inside that area.
0: Have you ever been in the jail? I have. It's a hellhole. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. Same. Uh, I haven't been, uh, I haven't been an inmate there, but I've had to go there for fingerprints and some other things. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just, and that was really before I knew much about it. And I was like, I don't ever want to come back here. And it's,
1: Uh it's, And that was a
0: long time ago. It's gotten worse.
1: Yeah. It's any time now that I hear, like I listen to lore podcasts and any time they mention a jail, I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be terrible because it's always the same. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of a prison that has taken good – in America, at least, that has taken good care of its inmates. And the Oklahoma County Jail is an example of that. I still remember just like the smell of walking in there. Yeah. And that was oppressive, and I had an asthma reaction to it. And I was only in there for, what, 45 minutes? I can't imagine living in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like, I think it's just shy of 40, I think 37 or so inmates have died in the last couple of years. Um, It's been been slightly more than one per month, which Mm is outrageous. Yeah. I mean, that's... And I think this, you know, probably bespeaks how we as a society treat people that have, you know, had a mistake. Um, but anyway, to dissolve the jail trust, it has to be a majority vote of the county commissioners. There's only three, so two to one, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and with approval. Oh, I think. Wait, I think I said the wrong. I think it requires a majority vote of the board of county commissioners. So the those three and a majority vote of the trust and approval of the governor. Whew, that's a big hurdle. <laughs> um, the grand jury said one primary reason to return the sh- return control to the sheriff is that at a minimum, the sheriff as an elected official can be held accountable through the election process, whereas the a current executive director of the jail trust is not directly accountable mm-hmm. to the people, right? Like he's accountable to... The trust and the board of the trust, and those are appointed. So some of those are county officials. It just gets a little more distant from the people. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, I think there's still quite a bit to happen over the next few months. The board of county commissioners meets once a month, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I think a lot of folks are still digesting this report from the grand jury. Um, they made some recommendations, the grand jury made some recommendations about what they need to do. And that was including like hiring a hundred more officers, right? They, it's been understaffed and over um, capacity for years and years and years. Um, it's been really difficult. Um, some of the reports indicated that um, some of the correctional workers were involved in bringing fentanyl into the jail, uh, <laughs> which it. is not good. I felt like, when I read this mm-hmm. uh, report, I felt like I was reading a script from The Wire, the TV show The Wire, yeah. <laughs> if you ever watch that, I was like, oh, this is exactly like, this is like a gritty police drama uh-huh. kind of show. But it's happening right down the street, like right here in our backyard. Like yeah. that's not the way, not the way I, the Clemens want it.
1: I just started learning about fentanyl. Like I knew it was bad. It's one of yeah. those words that you hear in and instant- it's doesn't mean sunshines and bunny rabbits but right. it i just now f- started hearing about how dangerous it is and how m- it's in so many different things mm-hmm. um i gotta remember the exact medicine that they have but um i feel like they should put narcan narcan yeah. i feel like they should put that should be something that they recommend if fentanyl is a problem inside the jail they should put a narcan machine inside
0: the you know, jail speaking of narcan micah um just this week, I think it was announced uh, that the federal government is going to make Narcan available over the counter, like everywhere, <gasps> like gas stations, oh, God, CVS. Yes. <laughs> um,
1: How much is it going to cost?
0: Uh, like, not much. Like, oh, I think, God bless. Um, and I think that's the deal. Like, it really is. I went through the whole training and stuff back when I worked in public health, and it is a life saving thing. You just stick it in the nose, squeeze it, mm-hmm. and you can save someone's life, which is like almost like voodoo magic. Like, it's like uh-huh. a. Um,
1: I'm not going to question how it works because I'm scared to know the answer.
0: I remember learning. I was like, great, that sounds cool. <laughs> um, chemistry, it works. Um, and I I know, you know, I'm sure most of our listeners are like, oh, that's good. But I've never been around someone who was, you know, overdosed on opioids. Good. Maybe you haven't. Mm-hmm. But like you might be. Um, And just the fact that it'll be more readily available um, is I think good for the public health is all. Now we definitely, if we've, if we've put a, Somewhat of a solution on the back end, we need, or on the front end, we need to go back to the back end and, and make like, make it preventative.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And,
0: you know, curb the, the, this crisis. And if it's because we got jailers bringing it into the jails, like those guys need to go. Yeah. That seems pretty clear.
1: Or maybe those jailers need to be inside the jail.
0: Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I don't, we, we need to change the incentives here. We so.
1: have a lot of changes to make. Yeah. But if I may, Oklahoma is worth the work.
0: Ah, uh, ah. Uh. Thank you. Uh, Well, Michael, we're wrapping up here, and I feel like this has been a bit of a downer episode. There's been some negative news. I felt very heavy.
1: I feel heavy, but it's a beautiful spring day as far as I can tell, so I'm going to go out for a walk after this. But I think with what I try to remember is with every bit of bad news, there's always the possibility that something good can come out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's always the chance that because these people are making such – these policymakers are making such unbelievably weird decisions that at some point the people who normally would have voted for people like them will be just like, you know what? Let's try something new (laughs) Uh (laughs) and bring in somebody who might not have as much experience but could be just the person to fix it. Um, And I think that – You know, Uh, Oklahomans are a tough bunch. They really are. And when it comes down to it, they pull together and they fight for what's right, I think. Now, what's right is different for everybody else. But I think think that Oklahoma can still pull together and I think that Oklahoma can still be great. Um, That's certainly something that I hold on to because I would like to stay here and I want to raise my family here and I want to (sighs) – Oklahoma born and bred. When I die, I'll be in Oklahoma dead. (laughs) I want, I want this place to be a safe place for not only my kids, but the kids who don't look like me and the kids who don't have the same education as me and the kids who don't have the same religion or the same gender or sexual orientation as me. And I think that's possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word to end on, Micah. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Uh, Listeners, uh, two things. One, I assigned Micah and our other intern, Lily, um, a project this week, and I'm going to assign it to you, two listeners. Take a few minutes. You're going to need more than a few minutes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Set aside an hour, maybe in chunks, whatever you want to do, um, and to to think and ideally write down your dreams for Oklahoma. Where do you want to see our state in in the year 2030 or the year 2040 or 2050, right? Looking ahead, we know that change is incremental. It does not happen overnight. It will take some time. But as Micah said, it is worth the work. And it is possible. I know, you know, even in this episode, there's times that I probably made some disparaging comments about the opportunity or the chance of us changing. Um, don't let that fool you. I 1000% believe that we can turn this state around and this can be a great state. Um, that all of our wildest dreams for what our state could be like, that we are proud to say we're from Oklahoma, that we do lead the country in some indicators. where right now we're 49th or 50th. We mm-hmm. can we can change that. Um, but we can't do it alone. We have to do it together. And that starts with dreaming big dreams. Like I I talk about this a lot with some of our partner organizations that we have been stuck. It's easy to get stuck in looking at what we can't do or, you know, being reactive to bad legislation or bad policy. But we got to flip that script. We've got to start thinking about, dreaming about where we want to be so that we can start working towards it, right? And I, I just, in the last two weeks, I've had probably eight conversations with different people who had, you know, even tiny dreams. And I was like, oh, well, your dream connects with this other person's dream that I talked to. And so getting them together and starting to be like, we can start working this. If you need some help, if you want to think about specific things, let's talk about education. Right? Think about what you want teacher pay to be like what, to you. You don't have to be an expert, but like, what do you think teachers should be paid? What does that take? Do you think students should have access to um, you know, an expanded access to free lunches at school? What if that was for everybody? That makes a lot of sense. We're all buying lunch one way or another. Either I'm making a PB&J or they're getting it at school. Um, what does that look like? What about healthcare? What about insurance? What about paid leave? What about fucking potholes and transportation? <laughs> like what you know? What about public transportation? What about a light rail from Oklahoma City to Tulsa to Dallas? What about um, you know uh, walkable infrastructure, green space, parks? Um, what about, gosh, I'm trying to think about anything else, right? Like. What about guns? You can write guns. What guns, about guns in not? school? What about um, higher education? What mm-hmm. about workforce investment? Recreational
1: marijuana? Why not?
0: Right. What? Yeah. You know, talk about. You know. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is to you. Free
1: college.
0: Oh gosh, free college. Yeah, that's a huge. Free yeah. healthcare.
1: That'd be nice.
0: Um, you know, there's a bajillion things. Payday lending. I would personally like to see there be no payday loan places. I think that's mm-hmm. it is predatory. It is unnecessary. There are way better solutions out there. These folks are just making money off people that are on hard times and that's not okay. So listeners, whatever it is for you, think about it. And I encourage you take a few minutes, make a little journal entry, write in your diary. You can send it to me as an email. If you want, um, you know, you can make up a fake hotmail account and send it, whatever you want to do. Um, if you need to have an audience, I'm happy to be your audience. We'd love to hear your dreams. That's what we want. Right. I think we want to hear Oklahoma's dreams for the future. Um, because we dream together We can work together and we can build it together.
1: I think also if we have those, if we remind each other of the dreams that we have, maybe we won't have so many nightmares. I think that's, I think we all kind of feel like we're living in a nightmare. If we all kind of remind each other that we have some dreams, then we might be okay.
0: (laughs) I think you're exactly right, Micah. That's a good point. Um, Well, I will definitely read Micah's and Lily's next week because that's when I assign them to have them back to me, listeners. uh, (laughs) You know, if you can have it turned in by next uh, Wednesday at five, that'd be great. Um,
1: The exam will be on Thursday. No test. The test is how.
0: Yeah, the test is how we live. Right? It's open book, uh, and we're and you can use your buddies. So, okay. On that note, listeners, the uh, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for being here with us. Thanks, Micah, for filling in today. Thank you. Uh, listeners don't forget about the election on April 4th. Um, you have elections everywhere. Edmond's got mayors and city council. Oklahoma city has got city council, county clerk, Tulsa's got school board and city council. There's stuff everywhere. Please, please, please go vote. Turnout would be low. These races will be won by a few dozen, maybe a hundred votes. And you 100% have a chance to change the outcome of this election just by casting a vote takes you not much time lines are short go out and vote and tell your friends get on social media text your friends if you can promise to text five people about the election and say there's an election next week i need you to vote that would be huge all right have a good week and don't forget that decisions are made by those who show up